welcome. You're listening to the Mac Observer's podcast, Background Mode. This is your host, John Marcellaro, and this week my guest is Brian Chaffin. Brian, welcome. Hey, man. Good to be here, John. Thanks for having me. Brian is the editor-in-chief of the Mac Observer and has other titles as well, but uh, you know him <laughs> well if you're a Background Mode listener. He's a, a great guy, knowledgeable person on all things Apple. So, welcome to the show. John, you are merely projecting those things that are true about you onto me, but I appreciate them nonetheless. <laughs> well, you are a much greater expert on today's topic. And today I wanted to ask you about the future of the iPad. And you're working on Ooh. a new edition of iPad for Dummies as co-author. Yeah, put, put it to bed this morning, I think. Cool. Cool. When, when do you think we'll see it? Um. You know, I have no idea. Probably within the next three months. This is iPad so. for Dummies by Ed Big, uh, Bob Levitis, and the glorious Brian Chaffin. Indeed, yes. So knowing that you've been working on this book about the iPad night and day, I thought it was a perfect opportunity to ask you about the future of the iPad, something that's always on my mind. We just had the 10th anniversary of the iPad and there was lots That's of discussion. Astounding, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's amazing how far we've come. And it's amazing how far we haven't come. I, I think the A13 processor is something on the order of 100 times maybe faster than the original iPad back in 2010. And yet the operating system doesn't seem to be 100 times better or specifically having taken advantage of all that graphics and CPU horsepower. Can, can, can I like de I'm, I'm, can I derail us with a with a with a salient observation? Go ahead. <laughs> John's going to kick me off the show. Um, I remember John when before the iPad was released, just a few months. I think it was in April. I was speaking at Cat Mac in Austin. That's the Mac user group in Austin. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, if if I have my timeline straight, um, the iPad was going to be released in June of that year. So, you know, it's lots of buzz about it. It had been shown, but it hadn't it hadn't shipped yet. So, you know, it was one of those times just like that, because similar to the iPhone, actually, where we got shown by Stephen Colbert at the Oscars, I think. Uh, Pulled out of his pocket. Is, is, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And I remember because, you know, there was so like the, the, the user group people were curious about this iPad and everything. And, and I remember talking about how we don't know what we're going to do with the iPad yet. And that Apple doesn't know what we're going to do with the iPad yet. Right. Microsoft knew what they were going to do. It was going to be Mac OS with a stylus. <laughs> um, According yeah, to well, Steven Sanowski. This was after, this was after that. Uh, well, well after that phase, of course, because, because by this point we already, we did know what Apple was going to be doing to compete with netbooks. But my point is that, uh, and I, I believe that I was correct about that, that Apple did not know what we were going to do with the iPad before it, were, it released the iPad. Well, Steve Jobs knew what he wanted to do with it. There was this famous article called The Mac about how Steve Jobs demanded that he be provided with a piece of glass so he could read his email while sitting on the toilet. Classic. That is one thing Yes, but I do not think that Apple knew what we as users would be would would 
how, how we would be putting this device to actual work. That's probably why it became a giant screen iPhone, basically. By default, right? I mean, if you don't know what to do with it, you don't know what people are going to do with it, but you have an iPhone, you have a track record, you know what people well, are no, doing with their phones. But basically, you create a giant size iPhone. But that comes back to that comes back to why Apple. So Apple's. It's, we know that Apple started working on the iPad first, and then Steve said, "Hey, we could use this technology for a phone. So let's make a phone instead." We we know that, and that goes back to what two thousand two. I don't something, remember. Something, I, I believe that that's the case. But and then I, famously, at least in my own head, because apparently I'm not famous for this, I said a year before Apple actually. I, Roughly a year before Apple, I, I, so I guess it would have been May May the year before I was speaking. So that would have been in two thousand and nine, I think. There thereabouts, maybe March. I said that Apple would com- commit uh, compete with netbooks with an iPod Super Touch. I remember that. I remember that iPod Super Touch. I thought that was a brilliant name. It it well, and iPad's probably a, a a better name to be sure. But but my, my what I mean by this though is that is that the iPad was if you go back to everything that Apple was saying, Apple was acknowledging the demand for something that was being filled by the rest of the industry that was being met by the rest of the industry with netbook. Uh, with you know, with netbooks, cheap, small, tiny, portable, cheap, cheap, cheap. You know, terrible screens, terrible keyboards, uh, just a terrible device. And and that that Apple consistently denigrated the devices that were being sold, i.e., netbooks, and never once denigrated the use for it. Like Apple never. Apple did say we already see. I think it was Steve Jobs that said this. In a, in a conference call, he said that we see people using uh, iPhones to do some of the same things that they're doing with netbooks, right? But they never denigrated that demand. They never said that people don't want netbooks. They kept saying that netbooks offer a terrible experience. That's what they kept saying. And to that end, Apple knew that it wanted to com- to, to compete with netbooks, with what became the iPad. But I think that is separate from whether or not Apple knew what we would do with that iPad once it was in our hands. Well, moreover, there was, there was a branch point where people did what they needed to do on netbooks because they, they had a history and they, they knew how to use it and productivity means. Apple had a different vision for the mechanics, for the operation for how you touched it and how you used it. And that kind of constrained the productivity angle combined with being locked into iOS. It's amazing that a a device so different, so fundamental in its usage and physical form just destroyed the netbook. I find that fascinating. It did. It did. You're absolutely right. And, and, and it did. And it wasn't just because everybody sort of pivoted to tablets you know samsung jumped on the android tablet world um we saw you know there was still do you remember all the do you remember all the uh, talk of uh of the i how like uh uh was it gonna be an ipad killer or an iphone killer what was uh what was blackberry doing 
Like there would always be like, you know, this will be the iPad killer. I'm trying to remember all the different uh, original tablets that failed. I mean, don't have a good recollection of the, the listing of the names of the products. I remember yeah, there enough. was one that came out that was a 16 by 9 because they were convinced that the viewing aspect ratio needed to mimic the high-definition television. Yeah. And it created an awkward display uh and, and, and use user operations with it because of that technical error. Apple realized you need to be able to turn it one way or the other. And four by three was the right aspect ratio. Right. So that was interesting. So, so let's explore this theme a little bit. I mean, Apple, for lack of anything else, had to use iOS for the iPad when it came out. And for a long time, it looked and operated just like a phone. The way you touch the icons, the way you had multiple screens of icons. Did Apple stay with that metaphor too long as the processor speed of the arms increased many, many fold? Apple had the opportunity to rethink the iPad. iPad OS came along fairly late in its lifetime. Did Apple wait too long? Were they complacent? Were they hoping that the iPad would take off on its own? Were they rationalizing that it was a productivity tool in some respects? And everything was just fine, but we know things weren't just fine from the sales numbers. I, th I think from the outside, it's very clear that Apple thought that iPads would eclipse the sale of of desktop computers. The clearest expression of the computing future, said Tim Cook. The clearest expression of the computing future. Something That's an that interesting effect. quote. That's a really interesting quote, isn't it? Yeah. I, it, uh, I, I don't know if I, Apple, okay, so I, I got I to gotta back up. I got to back up because how much of what you just asked me is a carryover of Steve's obsession with there being no, no stylus. You got 10 of them on the end of your fingers, on the end of your hands. You got 10 of them. I just, I get outraged. I just, my blood starts boiling when I think about him. You, you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. He would see, yeah. he, would, he would talk about styluses and he would say that we, we you know, you don't need them because you got 10 of them on the end of your hands. Well, one way and to look at that so is that you needed to think about that for the iPad to be successful for starters. And it's perfectly reasonable in my mind, once the product has been established, to let people have more flexibility with styluses, even though probably many people still use it in the conventional finger way. And, and I agree with the notion that it must be usable without a stylus. Right. But Steve seemed pretty adamant. And, and of course, you know, it's so hard it's so hard to, 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 you know, like to, 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 to take a Steve statement and then pretend like that's the end of the discussion. Cause you know, Steve would, would famously do misdirection all the time. It, 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 the biggest one being it's about the music stupid when it was uh, six months before uh, Apple released the uh, iPad, the iPod video, right? That's, 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 that's the biggest misdirection. I, I, the, 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 the most obvious and blatant misdirection, but I didn't think that his pogrom against styluses, I didn't think that that was misdirection. I think he was absolutely and positively convinced that 
that there need never be a stylus associated with with the iPad. And I don't have any direct evidence of that, but my very strong gut feeling is that the Apple Pencil was started and conceived and developed after his passing. Well, I I think even a brilliant person like Steve only had about a 10-year horizon in his visibility into the future. And, and as the product grows and morphs and as the technology changes and as the processing power increases and offers new opportunities, the texture and the t- capabilities of the device change and you can't foresee that too far into the future. And so uh, it comes a logical point where in order to, for the product to thrive and flourish, it has to morph a little bit. And hence, styluses. Well, but I wonder, your question was, was the iPad holding iOS back? Was iOS holding it back? Was iOS holding the iPad back? Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Um, I, I wonder if how how much of how much of Steve's original vision was holding the iPad back. I, I wonder how much the emphasis on total security and and uh, submergence of the file system. Yeah, has held back the evolution of the iPad's ability but, to interact with the user. That's like you know, Steve Jobs was always adamant that you know that a we not be confronted with a with a dirty monkey muck of a uh, of of a of a computer, but then also that we that we not be allowed to be confronted with the mucky mucks of the inner workings of a computer. Well, has that vision panned out, or has it limited the device's potential? I, I think it's limited the, the device's potential. I mean, I think the so files app is is a step in the right direction, but it just always feels cumbersome to me. Yeah, yeah. It it's not. Um, yeah, it's 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 not there yet. Well, given the structure and the limitations of iOS and iPadOS, and we'll talk about this in part two. Um, what's the prognosis for the for the evolution of the ipad are there ways to fix it does it require maybe a a new product that stands between the ipad and the mac or is there a way are you talking about duster fridge are you talking about are you talking (laughs) about no i'm not talking about anything specifically i'm just wondering and i'll flesh this out in the second segment but uh let's take a break uh before we continue Folks, we'll be right back. I'm chatting with Brian Chaffin, uh, Editor-in-Chief of Mac Observer. Stay with us. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Today, our sponsor is Linode. Linode helps you design, develop, and deploy in the cloud. You can build dedicated CPU, distributed applications, hosted services, websites, and CI, CD environments. If it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. Linode is focused on simplicity, service, and value. Built using the most up-to-date hardware and a next-generation network backbone, Linode allows users to comply with in-country data protection requirements while taking advantage of all of Linode's technology and tools. The goal is to maximize the benefit you receive from your cloud by making it cost-effective to deploy robust compute, storage, and networking services that meet your ever-changing performance needs. Featured are a native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and industry-leading processors. Pick from any of 10 worldwide data centers. And pay for only what you use with hourly billing across all plans and add-on services. 24 by 7 live customer support is always just a phone call away. 
You'll be able to deploy, maintain your infrastructure simply and cost-effectively. Plus, Linode's tools make it easy to provision, secure, monitor, and back up your cloud. To learn more, visit linode.com slash bgm. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com forward slash bgm. All new customers receive a $20 credit. Thanks, Linode, for being our sponsor. We're back. I'm chatting with Brian Chaffin, Editor-in-Chief of Mac Observer. So I was on the brink of exploring this business of multitasking. On the 10th anniversary, there was a lot of, of the iPad, there was a lot of discussion about the design, the intuitiveness of multitasking on the iPad. And all of that seems to be a derivative of the limitations built into iOS from the beginning. And you can see Apple struggling mightily to bring within the limitations of iOS and now iPadOS, uh, some sort of sensible mechanism for split-screen and multitasking. And I think Mike's take on the discussion, which was pretty intense for a while, a few weeks back, was that Mac users who are familiar with the Mac and how it works and how they can use it effectively were a little bit put off by the design of the multitasking operational features of the iPad OS. And those people who were iPad centric and had learned how to become productive and had done that kind of multitasking operation dozens of times a day, were well familiar with it, said, you know, oh, shucks, this works fine. What are all you Mac people complaining about? What do you think? I, okay. I love my iPad. I've got, um, got the iPad pro 11 inch. I will surely buy its successor if it's if it's uh, when it's released later this year. Was actually dismayed that we went through the fall without the iPad being updated. Um, I spend a lot of time on my iPad. I've never owned the twelve point nine inch form factor. I don't really care to. I've also never owned uh, a mini. The iPad, the 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 normal iPad footprint is not too big for me. And while there are certainly times when I would probably make use of the larger form factor uh, because I carry it with me all over the place, I've never really had a huge desire to carry the, the larger form factor. So with that in mind, I use my iPad a lot, mostly for consumption. I'm definitely not a big producer on it. I've never owned a physical keyboard for it, although I, I do have, of course, an Apple Bluetooth keyboard that I could hook up to it whenever I want. But if I'm doing that, I might as well sit on my Mac as far as I'm concerned. So again, with all of that in mind, I think that we need to have the toaster fridge. And I think that there is room for something along the lines of, of Microsoft's giant surface that that you know essentially acts as as both a computer and a you know drafting table and and everything else that that actually you know sits flat in front of you well that goes to the future of the uh, ipad because uh, uh for example i just had john keat on the show and he has six 30 inch displays connected to his mac pro and you know i have written extensively in the past especially after the the surface what is it the surface I forget the name of the, the giant. The, the giant surface? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called either. When, I, when that came out, I started thinking about, you know, my future in computing. And am I going to be sitting 
at a drafting table like display in the future with a 30 inch iPad, you know, touching it with my fingers or drawing with a stylus and writing. Surface like Studio. Surface Studio, right. Can the iPad continue to grow and flourish at, when it's maxed out at 12.9 inches? Because as Mac users, we, you know, we grew up with 12.9 inch displays for the early days of the Mac in the 80s and quickly got into the 15 and 17 inch LCDs. And then now everybody has a 27 inch display. Where can the iPad go in the future with a limitation of a 12.9 inch display? Well, it can continue in its current path. I mean, Apple does sell a lot of these things, right? Yeah, but it's kind of it's kind of plateaued at about seven billion dollars a quarter, which is probably about seven million units. <laughs> I remember, I remember editing a um, um, oh, what's uh, what's George? It is a pen name. Um, the guy who wrote the Apple Trader column for us. Don't remember. Um, brilliant, brilliant writer. Um, just absolutely brilliant writer. Uh, uh, super, 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 super smart. Uh, and I'm talking, of course, about West George. And um, he was writing a piece about how Apple might not be able to continue because uh, they were they were down to like a, a little over a billion a quarter, and that that wasn't really a sustainable size for for a computer company and i remember editing that piece and uh, he was pretty alarmist about it but i mean like all of apple was doing like a you know like a like a you know it was a billion and a quarter that year that quarter that quarter and uh, my house you know like ah, apple's only doing seven billion dollars a quarter in ipads uh but to your point to your point it does seem to have plateaued a bit and I would imagine that significant new capabilities and or additional sizes and possibly even form factors, i.e. the toaster fridge, would be necessary to take it to take it further. I, I was so against the, the toaster fridge for for so long. And the reason why I was against and the toaster fridge, by the way, folks, is uh, that was what uh, was it was it Tim or was it uh, Steve that nicknamed uh, Microsoft? I think it was Tim Cook, yeah. And he was talking about basically the marriage of two different devices uh, into one so that neither neither aspect of the device does anything well. And he nicknamed what Microsoft was doing these as uh, toaster fridges. And note that he has not said anything like that for years, right? He hasn't denigrated the toaster fridge in years. And I think it's because Apple's working on some kind of toaster fridge. But the idea is that you have a device that can be a touch device and a laptop computer, you know, the way we think about about computers at the same time. And, yeah, you can kind of do that now with an external keyboard and, and an iPad, especially an iPad Pro, but it's not quite the same. And... And and I still don't like the way Microsoft does its toaster fridges. Like, you know, because under Steve Ballmer in particular, the company was just obsessed with, like, making the one device do everything. And so, again, it did nothing well. Uh, but I think that the reality is that that people want a device that they can get serious about typing on. And then also be able to, you know, 
touch their way through videos and, and books and, and videos and I already said videos, but uh, you know, through games and, and things like that. And, and even sometimes reach out and touch something on the screen while they're typing. I think that people, I, uh, the people who use the toaster fridges do that and they do it rather naturally. And more importantly, what I've heard from an educator is that kids naturally do that. Like they'll be, they'll be working on a, on a, on a, on a laptop that is not a toaster fridge and they'll reach out and touch the screen because that's what you do with screens in their eyes. What's your definition of a toaster fridge? Is it a MacBook pro, which operates like a Mac with Mac OS. And then when you detach the display, it becomes an iPad or you have just something else in mind. You know, I, I, I don't, I, I certainly don't know the best way to do that. I don't know if iPad OS needs to get more Mac like features or if, if app the, the, if the best course is to have a laptop that folds in on itself and then you know switches from Mac OS to iPad OS with the same file with the same files underneath it, I, I don't know, I don't know which is best. But I well, do e- think editing with your fingers is certainly holding your fingers hang, your, holding your arm out and editing with your fingers is certainly a tiring process for a long term write writing. Yeah, process. well, that's and. and I don't want fingerprints on my display. And that's what I've always said. And the thing is though, that is that I've talked to people who use these toaster bridges and they say that it ain't like that, that I'm wrong, that, you know, they, they don't get tired. And, and I, and I think that part of the, part of the beauty would be able to, to do, to do either, like to be able to use a pointing device, like a mouse or a trackpad and a keyboard and then also just be able to use it as as a completely uh, independent touch device, but I, I think that I think that that future is obvious, is obvious and necessary, and I suspect that Apple is working on it. And I and I further surmise that the reason why we haven't heard Tim Cook integrating toaster fridges hmm. is is because Apple is working on something. Let me ask you about. Home screen system. Okay, we had heard rumors that in um, iOS before we even heard of iPad OS, that Apple was going to revise the way we managed our icons, and so we're we're still stuck with the same 2010 system of having an array of icons that we touch, moving them from screen to screen is a little dicey. I found it in iOS 13. It's all too willing to create a folder for me when really I'm trying to yeah. insert my icon between two other icons and if mm-hmm. i'm not real careful it wants to come up with a folder invitation all too easy i've never had that problem before on ios 1 through 12 um and then getting your apps you know, the way you want them amongst the multiple screens requires you to drag across multiple screens and we no longer have the itunes editing tool anymore Right. So um, yeah, it was so much easier to manage your to manage your screen layouts uh, in, in iTunes yeah, on the Mac. That's right. Than it was doing it on the iPad or iPhone. Way easier. I was actually very upset with that when that went away. So what do you think about the evolution of the iPad? Does it have to get beyond this uh, iPhone type system? Yeah, yeah, it's going to have to evolve. It's it's, it's certainly going to have to evolve. Do you have any ideas about what you'd like to see in terms of how you launch apps and how you arrange them and select them? And oh, I was them? afraid you were going to ask that. Um, 
Well, I just thought maybe you had some notions. No, it's, no, it's, it's I, a tough I, problem. I if it were easy, Apple would have solved it years ago. <laughs> I, I am, I am, you know, by nature, John, I'm much more of a, of like my, my abilities or, you know, gifts such as they are as an analyst, as an analyst is, is very much about reacting to what's happening as opposed to, as opposed to seeing to seeing what the future was. I and mean, even predicting the iPod Super Touch wasn't about predicting the future. It was reacting to the things. It was putting the pieces together for what Apple and Tim Cook and even Steve Jobs and uh, 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 someone else at Apple too had had said about uh, about things and, and putting those pieces together. So I don't know what I don't know. Well, yeah, I just had an idea. You know how in we can have icons on our desk on the Mac, right? Of course, you know the 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 Mac has a higher resolution and has a much more precise pointing system, either a trackpad or, or a mouse. But we can also look at all of our apps or even all of our files in a list. That would be kind of handy to do on mm-hmm. an i on a, on an uh, iPad, so that you didn't have to scroll through seven pages of. Of, of of apps looking for the right icon because you haven't gotten around to moving that new thing that you use all the time over to the first page uh, because it's kind of a hassle to your point right um, mm-hmm. be, being able to being able to do that sort of thing or golly man th- th- like okay what if we had probably some extension of the files app what what if we could see a list of all of our um, apps in a list that we could scroll through and then a column next to that to probably to the right, just similar to the way iTunes was to a certain extent uh, that showed your screen so that you could then like drag them to the screen that you want. And it would say something like, uh, you know, books app. Oh, I like that. Um, I like it, that. Books app it, currently on home screen one. So you have a palette list and then you yeah. drag them to the window with a, you want them to appear with, in. with a location. And in your palette list, you can order it by alphabetical or by your own user size, uh, use, yeah, right. Like right. how many, how many, how many, how many hours you spend on your apps? So that would be a, that would be actually be a very useful. But no matter thing. what order they're in in the palette on the left, you can drag any one of them to any multiple screens. You can have multiple copies, yes. maybe, on yes. multiple screens. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. No. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think that that surely wouldn't. Anyway, regardless, that that's probably a minor detail. But then, and that would make it so much easier to manage your uh, to manage where everything is on both your iPhone and your iPad, for that matter. But especially on the iPad, it's got, something's got to be done because the um, original design was perfect for an iPhone. Because when you launch one app at a time, and you, mm-hmm. you don't do a lot of shuffling and you don't unless you have hundreds and hundreds of apps which i don't think too many people do these days um it's not too much of a hassle to flip a few pages on an iphone and find the app of interest but on an ipad with 128 or 256 gigabytes of storage you're gonna have a lot of apps and these multiple home screens and organizing these all your apps you know by physical location as opposed to some other logical infrastructure is just a Got to go. Got to be improved. It surely can be improved. It surely can be improved. And to your point, to your point, in front of the, the race at the very top of the show, 
splitting iPad OS away from iOS, even though, you know, they're really all but the same at this point, it could allow for those kinds of improvements. And I think we had to get that split before, before Apple can start thinking about, you know, radically changing things on the iPad. We need to do the split first and everything needs to be, it needs to continue to be, uh, um, you know, recognizable and familiar. It's kind of the way Apple does those things. And then it can start introducing the significant uh, changes. Apple's all about growth. If a product is not growing, if it's stagnant, it gets to be a little bit in trouble. Uh, what's the one odd thing that Apple could do to ignite iPad, to get it soaring and moving upwards instead of just lingering along and being sort of spoon-fed? What's that one cute thing that Apple could do to just turn on the iPad and explode it? To- toaster fridge. Yeah. An, integra- an iPad with an integrated keyboard uh, and or trackpad that functions like that can function either as the touch only device or as a device with the keyboard and, and pointing device and that you can, and I, I, that that's, that's probably the biggest thing that would shake things up. How about larger displays? 15, 18 inches for scientific use, engineering use, CAD commercial use, like, you yeah. know, uh, as in like uh, industrial use, I, th- yeah. I should say. Yeah. That that's, that but those are those are largely niche sales um the the like commercial integration industrial integration vertical uses those could possibly use larger devices but a 12 i mean there you know there's there's a limit to how big a device we want to be carrying around in the first place uh, i think if if anything that the jump to you know 27 inches i.e. something like the studio the surface studio that could be used as a, in a drafting table kind of layout would would probably that would probably have more impact because you know, like you know the uh, the obviously the uh, creative artist community could use that the uh, the creative pros too uh, the video community could possibly even use that yeah video industry uh, let alone you know like you know architects and and other people who are doing uh, CAD design. Yeah. Um, well, and, and that's that's something that's something that a, that a touch interface makes more sense than a Mac interface. If you're going to have that drafting table in front of you, where you're, you're sort of putting your arms on it and you're, you know, and you're and you're and you're manipulating, and then you sort of you know you sit back and then maybe you you you, t- you, you type on something either a virtual keyboard or, or a real keyboard, and then you know you grab your stylus and you start drawing or or you know you're manipulating assets for. Uh, for, for database stuff and dragging things from here and there that all that sort of stuff works better with that horizontal interface in front of you, as opposed to the vertical interface in front of you, Yeah, which is, you know, what a Mac does. Okay. Well, we're out of time. No, oh, no. Did you have any final thoughts on the future of the iPad? You want to wrap up the show with um, any final thoughts or shall we just give it a wrap? Uh, I, I just I want to emphasize again. I love my iPad. I spend a lot of time on my iPad, a whole lot of time. Most of that time for me is consumption, not producing. But I love, I do love my iPad. To me, I'm not sitting around going, I wish my iPad did this or that. I have a 12.9 inch iPad, and it's glorious. Yeah, do you use I it much? It. I I do. I sit in the recliner and I use Flipboard and I I read uh, articles for. 
particle debris, and uh, I read uh, Mac Observer, and I read uh, lots of different news sites and websites. Pardon me? Do you have a smaller one also? I have an iPad Mini 5 that I have on the nightstand from reading at night. Do you read? Okay, quick question. Do you read on your back or your side? I read on my back. Uh, I like my my Kindle app. I'm reading... uh, I'm reading Noir by Christopher Moore in the Kindle app. Do, do you know why I'm asking about how you read? No. Tell me. Dave Hamilton used to always talk about how much, how the Mac, the, the iPad mini was the obviously superior choice and, and, and you know, how, how perfect it was and everything. And, and I could never understand that. And it's like, yeah, but I, I love reading. I love reading on my iPad. And I, at that point I had the 9.7 inch form factor mm-hmm. and then the iPad air and long story short, I eventually found out that Dave reads in bed on his back and I read in bed on my side so that I'm not holding the, the larger form factor over my head. I'm actually, you know, balancing it. I'm like holding it with one hand uh-huh. while one corner is on the uh, is on the bed. And so that I don't need that smaller form factor. I love that larger. I love that book size form factor. See, a, a, a 9.7 or a 10.5 or a 12 would be too heavy on my chest. But the iPad Mini 5 yeah, because you're on your back. just about well, three or 400 grams. And I'm on my back and I just rest it on my chest and hold it with one hand and touch with the other. Yeah. And I've never been attracted to the, to the mini size because the, 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 large, the, the middle size is so perfect for me. So anyway, I know you're trying to get us out of here, but uh, um, I, I, I've always been interested in that observation. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, discussing the future of the iPad with me. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, I've been a ton of fun, man. I sure appreciate the opportunity. Always good to be here, man. And uh, I hope that uh, thank you for having me. That's one trend to say. So if the uh, listeners want to contact you, okay, they do that. Uh, you can contact me on the, f- uh, the contact f- page for TMO. Okay. And I'm on, I'm on Twitter. Um, I do... Tech stuff at TMO Brian with a Y, all one word. And then I do uh, private stuff, uh, not private stuff. I do like uh, my things I'm interested in, like politics and fiction uh, writing and things like that. I do over details on, on Twitter. All right, great. Well, thanks again. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Folks, you've been listening to Brian Chaffin and John Marchalero on the Mac Observer's Background Mode podcast. We'll see you again next week.